0: I've been married now for 12 years and I remember my proposal like it was yesterday. We were at my parents' house, which isn't a great start, but what I did was we blew up hundreds and hundreds of white balloons and covered the entire area of the floor and then I bought all of these red roses and I peeled off the petals and put them on the ground and the idea was that... Deandra would walk through the balloons and they would part like the Red Sea revealing a trail of rose petals leading her to the balcony where I was in a suit with a rose like The Bachelor. And I had this three-point sermon prepared, unlike The Bachelor. And I delivered it and she said, yes. And the rest is history. And when it comes to that proposal and that moment in time, Here's one thing I never thought about doing. I never thought about sending a representative to propose for me. I never thought about asking my sister or my mom or a friend or a colleague. I didn't think about sending a proxy, right? A proxy is someone who's, you know, authorized to act on your behalf. A proxy is great. You know, if you want to get out of a meeting, but you can't send a proxy to propose for you in matters of love. You can't send a proxy in matters of love. You come in person if you're able, right? If you can, if you're able in matters of love, you come in person. Now, what's so fascinating is all throughout scripture, God has been sending humanity proxies and his proxies are called prophets. Okay, a prophet was, was authorized to represent God. A prophet was a mouthpiece. Prophets spoke the word of God to the people of God. And if you're new to the Bible and you're reading the Old Testament, you'll see that some of the books are named after prophets. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah. And some of these prophets promised that one day in the future, God himself Would come to his people in person. And that's what we celebrate every Advent. Advent is, it means really the arrival of a notable person. And in the case of Jesus, that definition is an understatement. Jesus is not just another notable person, Jesus is not even just another notable prophet. That really, there's one God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And Jesus is God the Son, the second member of the Trinity entering into history. This is the advent of the incarnation. God taking up humanity into himself. The Word became flesh. God with us. And what we'll see throughout this Advent series is that Jesus' birth was unique in the history of the world because Jesus is unique in the history of the world. He is Emmanuel, God with us. That God came near. God came among us. Love showed up in person. And we heard the passage read earlier. Actually, my son read it. And what I want to do in our time together is just focus on one part of the passage. One theme. It's Matthew chapter 1 verse 22 and 23. It says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Next week, Daryl's going to talk about, you know, Mary and the virgin birth. But this week, I want to just hit on this theme of God with us. That all throughout scripture, the desire of God is to be with us. That God doesn't need us. God didn't create because of some lack in himself or because he was lonely, right? The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were doing just fine without us. No, instead, God created us and he created the universe to show his glory. And because he wanted us to be with him, to share in his goodness and love and beauty and joy. And this theme, God with us, it frames the entirety of the Bible. In the early chapters of Genesis, God is with us in the garden. God is among us. The last chapters of the Bible promise this. Now the dwelling of God is with people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. God will be with us. This theme, God with us, it frames the entirety of Matthew's gospel. In Matthew chapter 1, we just read, you know, you'll call him Emmanuel because he will be God with you. But in the last chapter of Matthew, chapter 28, Jesus promises his followers the same thing. He says, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. The theme God with us frames the entirety of our lives from our first breath To our last breath, through all the breakups and disappointments and rejections and failures, God wants to be with us. Through all the successes and promotions and graduations and joys, God wants to be with us. The theme God with us even frames the entirety of our salvation story. In the passage my son read earlier, it says, you know, you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What was the ultimate purpose of that salvation? To have our sins forgiven? To have our guilt removed and our shame taken away? Yes. But ultimately, Jesus came to save us from our sins so that we could be with God and so that God could be with us us the end goal was relationship not dry religion not an ethical straitjacket not tedious boring ritual and routine but a relationship with the God who's the source of all love and beauty and joy and truth his name will be Emmanuel which means God with us that this this theme it frames the entirety of the bible The entirety of the Gospel of Matthew, the entirety of our lives, and the entirety of our salvation stories in Jesus, God is with us. And every Advent, we celebrate that fact. And this is so important because Advent is not the most wonderful time of the year because of what is happening We all hear that carol every year. It's the most wonderful time of the year, but Advent is not the most wonderful time of the year because of what is happening. What is happening may be very hard and difficult and sad. If we attach our joy and our peace and our hope in this season to what is happening, we are more likely to be frustrated. Our joy, our peace is vulnerable to circumstances and situations changing. Advent is not the most wonderful time of the year because of what is happening. It is the most wonderful time of all the years because of what happened, because of what God did that he sent Jesus and Jesus is God with us. And that's where we fix our attention and our focus on during this Advent season. That's where our joy and our peace and our hope is found. All other places and sources are vulnerable to things shifting or changing. The focus every Advent is what happened, what God did. He sent Jesus to be God with us. And I think there's been times in my life where I've thought this is such a beautiful idea, but I'm not sure if it makes sense. Like, people will say it makes no sense for for God to shrink himself into human form as small and as vulnerable as a baby dependent on a teenage girl. I mean, it is kind of a mind-bending, like, crazy story. But let me just invite you for a moment to view this within the thought world of first century Judaism. You see, if you read the Jewish scriptures, you will find that the temple in Jerusalem was the place, even though God was bigger than the temple, even though God was the creator of the universe, God chose to fill the temple with his presence and his glory. The temple was the place in Jewish scriptures where heaven and earth interlocked and intersected. And the scriptures, like the Psalms, taught that though God cannot be contained by a temple, the creator of the universe had chosen to fill a structure, a building on a tiny hill in the small city of Jerusalem with his glory and with his presence. And the incarnation, God with us, is just taking temple theology the next step further. Let me quote N.T. Wright. We quote him almost every week. We're on a streak. Here is what he says. You should read him, by the way. He writes this. In Israel's scriptures, humans were made in the image of God. So that if God were going to become anything, then becoming human would be utterly appropriate in the way it would not be appropriate for him to become an elephant or a cactus. And so what's going on here, if you enter into the thought world of first century Judaism, is this. Jesus becomes the temple. The presence of God with us, Jesus becomes the place where heaven and earth intersect, where we encounter God, where we go to have our sins forgiven. Through him we have access to God, that Jesus becomes the image of the invisible God. And all throughout the New Testament, this temple imagery is applied to the person of Jesus. And the same is true at Christmas time, during Advent, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. That's how first century Jewish Christians. Thought about Jesus. But let me give you a more modern literary example. It's one that Tim Keller, who's a pastor and author, sometimes uses. But in the last century, there was a brilliant author named Dorothy Sayers. She was friends with C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Chronicles of Narnia. And uh, she was one of the first women to go to Oxford University, and she wrote detective novels. And in one of the series, her main character was a detective called Peter Whimsey, and he was brilliant and talented and single and alone and sad. And halfway through the series of detective novels, a woman named Harriet Vane, a character, appears in the stories. And Harriet Vane is one of the first women to go to Oxford University, and she's a writer of detective novels. Sounds familiar. And in the story, she and Peter fall in love and they get married and they solve mysteries together. And many people believe that what happened is Sayers looked into the world she had created and the character she had created and saw his pain and loneliness. So she wrote herself into the story to save him. And that is like the message of Advent, that God looked into the world he made and saw the mess our rebellion had created, and he didn't just send a messenger from a distance. He didn't just complain about culture from the safety of heaven. He didn't just send well wishes from afar. Because in matters of love, there comes a point when proxies and prophets won't do, and you must come yourself in person. And God loved us and he saw our pain and our lostness and our heartache and heartbreak. So God wrote himself into the story in Jesus Christ that God the Father sent God the Son and like the author who's both the creator of the story and a character in the story, God entered into history to be with us. Jesus is God with us. And can we just pause to feel the significance of this for a moment? Few things will hurt more in our lives than people we care about not wanting to be with us, right? Every child slamming a door in the face of their parents, like every time The text message you send isn't returned. The bubbles appear only to disappear, never to reappear. Then you see they're on Instagram, they're posting pictures. They have their phone, but they're not responding. Or you see that I mean, I could get worked up about this. You see the red, you know, message. The message has been read and yet no response. And you feel that sense of like rejection. Every boyfriend or girlfriend who's broken up with you, every family member who who won't return your call, right? Every one of those moments hurt. And without minimizing the pain of rejection for a moment, I want us to turn our hearts and minds to the radical acceptance that Advent represents. Like to focus our thoughts on the fact that God, the creator of the universe, wants to be with us. That every Advent we get to celebrate again that Jesus is God with us, that in the words of the Chronicles of Narnia, a manger in our world once held something that was bigger than the whole world. And here's what's so interesting for us, whether you've been with us on on this church planning journey the whole way through, or this is your first Sunday. This idea of God with us In some ways, it defines the mission of our church. That God entered history, that that Jesus put skin and bones on the love of God. He showed up and he gave us the gift of his presence. He didn't just send well wishes, he came himself. And the reality is the church, not a building, but a people, the, the church is to do the same. Jesus even said to his followers, as the father sent me, so I'm sending you. And so as Jesus entered into history to bring love and hope and healing, we're to do the same in our homes and relationships and workplaces, not as the Savior, but as witnesses to the Savior. This commitment to be present, uh, to, to enter into situations, it's at the center of our mission as a church because that is what love does. My friend, Cam, he once told me this story that comes from his father-in-law's memoirs. So his father-in-law's like autobiography. And this story moved me, and and I'll just read to you what his father-in-law wrote. These are his words. My grandmother had Alzheimer's, which meant that she was unsure about her surroundings and would often think she was in a different place or that she was a young mother again. And she would go about her day as if she were living in a totally different world. And one day I came home and saw my grandfather and grandmother in our living room. She standing and pointing and giving instructions, and he on his hands and knees, reaching under things, picking things up, and putting them into an imaginary basket. It turns out she was concerned that she couldn't reach some of the eggs that the hens had laid, so he had promised to help her. Afterwards, I asked my grandpa what he was doing. This isn't 1937, and this is not your old henhouse. To which he responded, yes, I know it's not, but that's where she is, and I don't want her to be there alone. I don't want her to be there alone. So he entered into her world. That's what love does, and there's a lot that's sad about that story, and there's a lot that's sad about our world. But that story still moves us, whether we're religious or not, because we know that is what love does. It enters into the world of another. And that's an extreme example, but but it's not as extreme as the incarnation. God entering into our story out of love for us. And so, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you, Jesus said, to each of his followers. So what does it look like for us in this season? There's so many different shapes this this could take in our lives. But it looks like staying up late with a friend who's crying, even though you know you have to get up early the next day. It's creating space in our hearts for that colleague or fellow student who's kind of like the pariah of the office that, that people want to avoid. It's making space in your hearts for that person. It might look like getting on a Zoom call to connect with someone when the last thing you want to do is stare at another person through a screen. It's, it's acting on the names that the Holy Spirit brings to mind by, by sending a text message or a note asking how the person Is doing. My wife has been doing that lately. Just names come to her mind and she reaches out, and it's profound how providential those conversations were. The text, the message comes at just the right time. It's acting on those promptings that God's even gonna give you today. It's moving into the margins of society amongst the underprivileged and the disenfranchised. It's remembering names and stories and making friends. It's a barber I know who gives free haircuts to people on the downtown east side every Sunday on his own time. They shampoo, they they shave, they cut hair, and for a moment, people feel brand new and seen and known. It's our small groups joining together to serve the city. We have 10 small groups at the way. We're launching three to five more in January. Part of the ministry of our small groups is to serve others. It's our small groups supporting families at Christmas time. Creating hampers and dropping stuff off. So people know they're loved and cared for. It's the people of God bringing the presence of God every place we go. Because in matters of love. The church doesn't send a proxy. We come in person. We don't complain about the culture from a distance. We enter in like Jesus. And when we can't come in person because of pandemics, we make our presence felt in every possible way so people know they're loved and not alone, Cards, notes, calls, Zooms, FaceTimes, prayer, generosity. That is all in response to Emmanuel, God, with us. That we are loved and we are not alone. So we want people to know that they are loved and they are not alone too. Amen.